Hello and welcome to From the Top, your audio guide to contemporary swing dance culture. I'm Alexei Korolev. Thanks for listening in. You're most likely doing this through ear or headphones, comfortably at home or busily at work, motionless or fidgeting, in the shower or on dry land, cleaning up or messing around, checking your Facebook or thumbing through a newspaper. Point is, you're probably definitely doing something else while I blab on. And I don't blame you. But there is one medium that grabs our attention much more fully, and that is, of course, video. That's because it exercises two of our senses instead of just one, making multitasking that little bit harder. Besides, seeing is believing. Nobody ever said that about hearing. And for dancers, not least swing dancers, seeing and being seen is what makes them who they are. I can see you. You're very blurry, but I can see you. Hi, great to meet you. I'm Jeannie. I'm sure that digital dissemination of Wendy Hop videos and jabs in general affect communities differently. But in South Africa, we are, we're so geographically isolated. On the continent, there's one other Lindy Hop community in Mozambique. So to have access to things like that has made a huge difference, and maybe in some surprising ways. That's Jeannie Elliott, um, one of the founding I, mothers of swing dancing I in South Africa. Originally from Dallas, Texas, she moved to Cape Town eight and a half years ago and soon after joined forces with a group of homegrown enthusiasts to kickstart swing dancing in her new home. That process involved a good deal of video watching. And every scene knows what this feels like when there's that first spark, when there's people who have first seen videos and gotten a sense of what's possible in Lindy Hop without actually seeing it in person. And when I met this small group of people, like in lots of other communities, they were getting together, watching these videos, trying to work out how pieces fit together and moves. But obviously that's really hard to do if you don't have someone physically there to dance with or try things with. I think where it really played an important role is that it connected us to the global Lindy Hop community and made us understand that we're part of something much bigger, also connected us to the rich history that Lindy Hop grew out of, and helps us contextualize what the dance means here in terms of the larger context of the African diaspora. The Savoy Ballroom was the most important center of jazz dance. It was opened in 1927 on Lenox Avenue and 140th Street in Harlem. Savoy was considered to be the Sorbonne of jazz dance. This is an extract from The Spirit Moves, a multi-part documentary film that charts the evolution of African-American social dance throughout much of the 20th century. For years it was footage like this, grainy and blurred and often with mismatching music, that aspiring swing dancers had to resort to for instruction and inspiration. That is, if they could lay their hands on a physical copy in the bulky form of a VHS tape, or in the early days of the internet, downloaded from some arcane forum over a flaky modem connection, provided, of course, some altruistic type had put it there first. With the advent of YouTube and other video hosting platforms, coupled with increasing availability of ever smaller, ever more powerful recording devices, all this has changed. 
Um, I guess so. So when I started, it was mainly for my local scene. So I was teaching and performing in Montreal, and then I I, I coached a you know a dance troupe. And so when we would perform, I'd be just disappointed because nobody would film our, our performances. So I think something like seven years ago, I decided, okay, I'm gonna buy a camera and then film film a bit, you know. Meet Alain Wong. Unless you were born yesterday, it's a safe bet that you have seen at least one video shot and produced by him. Unwittingly, perhaps, Selang has become one of the most important and prolific producers of swing dance video content on the web, at least in his part of the world. And so over the years, I kept on upgrading my gear, learning more about videography. And today I have over 5,000 subscribers uh, on YouTube, uh, over 6 million views on my channel. I also have like other channels. Uh, so for example, Montreal Swing Ride is one where just on that channel itself, there's over 2 million views. And today, because YouTube uh, restricts videos because of the, the music rights, I've been uploading uh, videos out of YouTube. But that newfound visual abundance has come at a price. Uh, there, there are trends that happen. So when somebody does something and everybody thinks it's cool, well, then everybody starts doing it. I think there's a TED talk by uh, Ryan Francois talking about how before YouTube, people would dance very differently. And today, everybody dances the same because everybody watches the same videos. We, I welcome that we have this thing called the internet. I welcome that we share globally this dance. I welcome that we share the history of the dance, that we share with different countries, that we get ideas and styles from different places. But what has happened to the styles of the dance now that we share this thing? What has happened to my dance? What has happened to the swing out that was different in the UK, different in Sweden, different across the world? Well, now, if you look at a swing out, you'll see that they pretty much look the same. I mean, obviously, I, I think YouTube is a great tool and it's a great tool to learn. I think in, in a lot of communities where, like I, I've taught in different communities uh, in Canada and the US where they're, they're very small communities, you know, there's nobody that I would consider at the same level as an advanced dancer in Montreal, for example. So, so when you're in a community where you don't have that, you need some source of inspiration. So in that sense, YouTube has brought a lot to the, the community. After that, there's a difference between watching a video and learning from somebody in person. What you see visually might not be how it feels or the, the way you connect, the way you, you shift your weight, the way you move your body, but be completely different than what it looks like. Uh, so I, I think in that sense, I think it, it can't replace having workshops, inviting really good teachers. So I could go back to the event that, that I run, Montreal Street Riot. The feeling that you have when you're at the event is very different from what you watch on YouTube. For example, the Invitational Battle, when you're there, it feels like the crowd is electric. It feels like, oh my God, anything is possible. And, and when you watch a video, it, it kind of, you lose a bit of that energy. So I, I think it's great if you don't have access to events you know, near you to go to get inspiration. But if you can, it, it doesn't replace the real thing. And because I, I think just it's, it's just normal that the performances that show up on YouTube or online are, are usually competitions because that's why you would usually film and document the competitions but you don't see most of the social dances. And like an example of that is uh, Mike Faltasek. He doesn't really dance as much anymore because he plays more music. But I remember the first time I saw him social dance, I was like, holy cow. But you couldn't, he doesn't, he, he chooses not to compete. So he, you never find really videos of him, but he's a great dancer. 
Uh, and, and some of my friends, for example, uh, there's a, a girl in Sweden who was my, used to be my partner, uh, Marie Njai. So she teaches, you know, uh, with Leonard sometimes, and she, she teaches in Stockholm now, but she doesn't watch any of the current video clips anymore. She, she only watches the old, old stuff. Another dancer well-known for her aversion to popular contemporary swing dance videos is Alina Sokulska. Born and raised in Kiev, she now shares a time between Ukraine and Russia where she dances and teaches the Lindy Hop, Bebop, UK and African jazz, as well as Latin dance. She's also Iggy Hop's dancer-in-residence this spring. Alina may be a hater of modern swing dance culture for reasons she'll get to in a moment, but she's not a hater of modern technology. Because for me, YouTube, you know, it's like kind of medium, which is great. If we compare television and YouTube, like in broader sense, I can say that television somehow dictates you what to watch, yeah? And YouTube is just a medium where like thousands of videos are uploaded. So it's up to your choice, up to your taste, what forms your identity as an artist, as dancer, I don't know. So you can choose, you always have the choice. As for me, actually, I prefer watching old videos. I'm not a big fan of mainstream videos. <laughs> I don't want to look grumpy, actually, because it's okay that people have those videos, that they have the events captured on YouTube. But I think it's not that necessary for me. It's my choice. I don't say it's bad. But as for my development as an artist, as a swing dancer, it doesn't influence me at all. Spirit moves influence me. I don't know which one. I, L... HC, yeah? <laughs> or how these competitions are called. They don't influence me at all. Maybe because it's not interesting, but though I can find some interesting dancers, but I can actually talk to them. But I think there is one philosophic thing here. When you are being captured completely on each event, on each competition, which is quite of a new thing, yeah, in Lindy Hop, it wasn't like that before. You don't leave any space for romanticism, you know, for your personal construction of the epoch. Because only things that I have now, like we all have now, you know, it's like those spirit moves, which is actually a rare video of social dancing. Because mostly Nicholas Brothers, Barry Brothers, uh, other brothers, like swing dancers, white and the hoppers that were captured by Hollywood. Hollywood is like iPhone of the time. And we have to maybe differentiate the social world of the time. I mean, I'm talking about all times, yeah? And uh, entertainment. For example, Hollywood and Broadway, all that kinds of dances are not the same as social dance. And obviously we can see it when we watch those videos, yeah? But still, things happened in Savoy, things happened after that in Birdland and in many small jazz clubs that appeared in post-swing era that actually are described in uh, books that I'm reading now, like books written by researchers, yeah? What happens for now, I think um, it's another thing. And I think that we have also a differentiate revival, so-called revival, yes, and uh, authentic culture. Me, as person of 21st century, I watch on jazz dance as person of 21st century. If I want to dance swing dance, if I want to dance that particular authentic style, I won't watch revival. I will watch the authentic video and make my revival and my reconstruction of that epoch. Alina Sokolska making no bones there about her dislike of current popular swing dance videos. The reason? Not authentic. Round and round till half past dawn. There was 57 channels and nothing on. 57 channels and nothing on.
This explosion in available content has had a further consequence. There's just simply too much stuff out there. It makes it easier and faster for things to get around the world. Jerry Almonte, the author of the popular blog Wandering and Pondering, has been keeping a close eye on Swing Dance videos. Indeed, for several years in a row, he made comprehensive lists of the most viewed ones. Here's what he thinks. But uh, the problem now is that there's the volume, right? So there's a million videos coming out of every event, especially a competition or performance-centered event. So even though it's easier for things to be shared, uh, it's harder for people to determine what is the quality. I, if I only have time to watch one clip, what would it be? But Jerry says there's more to it than that. The main problem with today versus yesteryear, there's no context for anything. So let's say you're dancing in 1938 in the Savoy Ballroom. Uh, you know where all the good dances are. You know uh, how everyone relates to one another. But today, uh, you can go onto YouTube or some other platform, see 50 videos from 50 different countries, from 50 different years, and it's hard to compare. People will only see, well, that's a cool move, or that's a cool piece of footwork, but they don't understand where and how and why that thing came to be in that certain place and time by those certain people. As with other forms of progress, the rapid development of video technology has been something of a double-edged sword. Some have welcomed it with open arms, others spurned it. But in the end, really, it's up to the individual. That's all for this episode of From the Top. Thanks for listening. From the Top is brought to you by Igihop. You can always take advantage of the modern means of communication and drop us a line at contact at You can also give us feedback on Facebook. Our website is fromthetoppodcast.com, and if you're not a subscriber yet, subscribe now on SoundCloud, iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast app of your choice. Time.